Hello, Vada the VCR Show coming at you once again on this glorious, beautiful Houston, Texas day. Hello, everybody. I know I said that Carlo and I will be back this week. However, I totally lied. By accident, not deliberately, Carlo will be joining us again next week, again as we take on the Batman. But for today and this week, we have another serious topic to share with you that is via part of my master's class that I'm doing at St. Bonaventure's University. So, sit back and relax so you can hear this interesting topic. But again, another word from our sponsors. As you know, we don't have any, so please sponsor us. And back to it. Today, we're talking about something a little more serious and a little bit near and dear to my heart and the hearts of very many others. But what if I told you, Houston, there is a problem? I know you would be thinking Apollo 13, but no, there really is a legitimate problem here in Houston, Texas that a lot of people are not aware of. And part of that is dealing with the Hispanic population. Now, before we get into what the actual problem is, let me hit you with a few numbers. Houston, Texas, the fourth largest city in the United States of America. Number four, massive population. According to the 2019 census, 44.5% of Houston's population is Hispanic. That's a massive population. 44.5%. That's almost half of the population of Houston. And by now, it could very well be half because it is 2022. So those numbers could be a little out of date. But to kind of break that down into a more tangible figure as to what that really means, if you take 44.5% and translate that into actual people, that actually comes out to 2.7 million people of Hispanic descent living in the city of Houston the largest city in Texas, the fourth largest city in the nation. That is a lot of Hispanic people. So what's the problem? The problem is this. There's a lack of voice for Hispanic people. And we're not talking about just in the sense of voting. We're talking about in a whole other realm that a lot of us probably aren't thinking of. And what is that? Well, I'm glad you asked, or at least I'm glad I asked. <laughs> We're dealing with Hispanics in the arts, not just the regular arts, but we're also looking at mostly the theater arts. What has happened to the Hispanic voice in theater arts? It's virtually non-existent. Did you know that out of all the federal grants that are given that Latinos get the least amount of grants. Two to seven percent of grants are given to Latinos for the arts. That's an extremely low number considering the extremely large population in just this one city. Pretty embarrassing I think. But what is being done about that? And again, glad you asked. And even if you didn't, I did. Today I'm going to be talking with my very special guest, Mr. Benito Vasquez, who holds an MFA in performance and pedagogy from Texas Tech University. And who is one of the very few, and I do mean very few, Hispanic artists, directors, and actor who is out there trying to change this injustice in the Houston scene. 
Mr. Vasquez is out there trying to create much more awareness to this situation and is trying to get out there and change the situation itself. I bet you didn't know that there isn't a theater in this city that is dedicated to Hispanic theater arts. There used to be at one point, but they had to close their doors due to financial issues. Another organization has come in and taken them over. However, they're more of a rent the space for venues type of situation and not actually producing Hispanic theater. So what is Mr. Vasquez doing about that? We're about to find out in this interview with Mr. Vasquez and why we in Houston have a problem. In today's report, we were kind of looking at the demographics of Houston, Texas. One of the more surprising things that I found about Houston, Texas was that its population for the Hispanic people is 44.5% of the population of Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas being the largest city in the state of Texas. That is a massive population. And then looking a little more into it, one of the things that really disturbed me is the lack of Hispanic theater or Hispanic cultural arts that occur in the city with such a massive population. So today I have my very special guest, Mr. Benito Vasquez, who is one of the very few Hispanic actors in Houston who is out there trying to change this, dare I say it, an injustice or just a lack of interest. But we're going to find out today. Benny, how are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Not, um, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate this. This topic is near and dear to my heart. And really, you know, one of the main reasons I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, I, I think you said it right. It is an injustice. It, uh, there is a lot of factors. This is very a, a complicated issue, honestly, that that that. Um, there are several factors to it and trying to figure it out, figure out what we can do to, I mean, honestly, I, I'm almost embarrassed for the city that every other large city with this large of a, you know, Latino population, Latinx population has representation on their stages. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we don't, we don't, we're even behind our fellow Texan cities like Dallas and San Antonio. Um, and again, there's a lot of history in that, um, in, and what that reason, those reasons are. Yeah. And that's one of the things I want to talk to you about, but before we jump into that, let's ask the first question. What was it that inspired you to do this? And when was it? that you noticed there's a problem houston there's a problem <laughs> yes well it you know i was actually pretty late into uh into the theater and really the arts in general because i didn't really grow up uh having those uh not only at home but not even at school really you know other than the few little things that they would sort of like make you you know do an art class and and if you were lucky to have any kind of music instrument or music class and but that was that was about it you know I was really much pushed towards STEM math science and at that time computers uh you know were sort of you know early 90s late 80s um was also something that you know we were playing organs trail and things like that <laughs> <laughs> learning uh, DOS, uh, yeah. stuff like that. But you died of dysentery. That's what we yeah, heard. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, there was a little bit of hint of my passion for performance every once in a while when we were, you know, it had to do a after school, you know, after school program or whatever. Um, I always enjoyed those moments, but I, you know, again, not, nothing that I wasn't pushed towards 
even pursuing anything like that or I didn't even have the knowledge that that's something that you can do as an artist. Uh, so it wasn't until I got to college, honestly, when I was uh, I was well into my applied mathematics degree, uh, not really knowing really what I was going to do with that, but that that seemed right at the time. Um, and I had to take uh, art credit. I had to get an art credit and I can draw a straight line with a ruler. So as far as drawing or anything like that, I was totally out of that. And so I asked my advisor what was available and they were like, well, there's theater. And um, and so I was, it was either choosing between intro to theater or acting one at that point. I was like feeling adventurous and I took that yeah. acting class. Um, and when I, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed that acting class with a professor uh, at that time. Was, my instructor was Maribel Cheney and she pushed me. She was like, you know, you have very, you have some a natural sort of talent for this. And She's like, you should go audition for the school play. And I was like, no, no, I'm just taking this for an elective. It's fine. Um, and anyway, she talked me into it. I went, uh, I auditioned and the, I met the man that ended up becoming my mentor, uh, Dr. Little, Dr. Thomas Little. Um, he The first thing he asked me was, are you willing to shave your head? <laughs> and, and I thought he was kidding because he was kind of kidding around most of the night, especially with people he knew. And I thought he was kidding. But no, he was actually very serious. And I was like, yes, I guess if if I'm in the show, I'm willing to shave my head. And sure enough, he cast me. I shaved my head. And the rest is history. <laughs> um, I fell in love with the art form uh, with, uh, under the mentorship of, of Dr. Little. And um, he was a big influence in in allowing me to find my voice mm -hmm. in the sense that he really um, said, hey, you should tell the stories you wanna tell, you know? And uh, because as I was getting closer to graduating, I began to look for opportunities outside of this sort of safe zone of, that was okay in theater and I couldn't find any. And I was heartbroken that there was no, there wasn't very much Latino theater being done um and not only by sort of um the sort of the white institution the larger theaters in houston but also just no latinos producing their own work and mm -hmm. that was really heartbreaking and i i talked to uh dr little about it and he said well you know what we don't do anything here in the summers why don't you produce something here and you know, that's just the way he was. He felt that that theater belonged to the students and the fact that he sort of opened that opportunity that I began to then gather people, um, you know, other people that had the same goals and we just sort of began to do our own thing. You know, it was not big scale as a couch and a table and, <laughs> you know, a Spanish play here and a bilingual play there and and, and it was just sort of us growing as artists. I mean, so much so I was inspired by, by, but by the direction that we were going that that's when I decided that I wanted to continue to grow. I wanted, I wanted to be a leader in this movement. And I felt that in order to do that, um, I, I wanted to study in theater a little bit more, meaning, you know, I, I was getting a bachelor's in applied mathematics. I didn't have any really formal training. And so I went and I decided to get my, uh, my MFA, and and that's where the journey sort of began. And you went to Texas Tech for your MFA, correct? I did. I went. They yeah. they had, you know, I had a, when I was auditioning for programs, most of them they're like, well, do you want to act or you want to direct? I was like, I want to do both, right? And and <laughs> and they were like, well, you, you kind of have to choose. Um, and the Texas Tech had an MFA in what they called performance and pedagogy, and it allowed me. I didn't really have to choose. I did have to choose eventually for my thesis if I was going to do an acting thesis or a directing thesis, but I was allowed to sort of take on both tracks, both the acting and theater. And not only not in directing, but not only that, they also then had the pedagogy aspect of it, which one of the reasons I was in applied mathematics is because I've always been a natural sort of teacher and I enjoy teaching. I, 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 I enjoy working with people that way. And so why not also sort of learn the pedagogical side of teaching theater and, and, and teaching sort of 
young artists. And so that program sort of offered everything I wanted. Um, and so, yeah, it was, you know, that's, that's where I ended up. Excellent. So let's jump into what, you know, and, and I was worried about using the word because I wasn't sure how true it was, but, you know, also being, you know, Hispanic and growing up in Houston and not really seeing a huge representation of our people in a lot of, other than in a negative way, because the news is all kinds of quick to put us up on, <laughs> on the, uh, on the six in, o'clock in Hollywood, news. right? We're all you drug know. dealers. Yeah. You know, absolutely. We're all drug dealers. We're, we're rapists, Gangsters. we're bangers, you know, yeah. uh, we're, we're all that, but we're not really, you know, other than uh, stand and deliver, you're hard pressed to find a lot of movies with good representations of, of yeah. Hispanic people. So when did you, realize there there was this injustice i know you talked about it a little bit but like what are your plans or what would you like to see happen? yeah so i mean what i what i what i knew i wanted what i thought was missing and the injustice that i thought was the injustice was the community didn't have its voice yes um and i think theater is that it is a a voice I, the arts, the arts in general are a voice of the community. And if we're not being represented, then we don't have that voice mm-hmm. and we get ignored and other people tell the stories they want to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the injustice. That, that mm-hmm. is why it's not okay for us to not do anything. Because then our voice is uh, either, you know, told by someone else who has really, you know, idea of what our culture and our history um, and and our art sort of represent, mm-hmm. um, or it's just not being told and it's being lost and our traditions are being lost, right? I, I mean, it, it is a it is a human tradition to sort of pass on these traditions and cultures through word of mouth, through storytelling, um, and if we're not doing it for our own communities, then then they're not they're not out there. Right. And so that's the injustice. And, and the complicated part is that why isn't it happen, happening? Right. And um, that becomes a little bit more complicated because it, it comes down to support from the community and from the city, um, support for artists. Right. And that, that, that means um, funding. That means sponsorship that means space all this is you know all this is is difficult um and without the support uh, of your community and the support of your city um and i i early on i started to ask like are, are you all you know we talked to other latinx uh, artists latino hispanic artists um and I was like, are you applying for grants? And they're like, no, I, I, I stopped applying. They're like, I stopped applying because we never get it. We never get it. And so they they were so, they, they didn't, didn't trust uh, the grant system anymore that it worked, you know, to help them, to support them. Um, and there was a study done by NALAC a few years ago um, I think it was 2018, 2019, I forget when it was. Uh, they did a study of where is the funding going for arts as far as how much are the Latino artists getting? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, they found out what we already knew. They just put numbers behind it, right? I mean, I, I can't remember the specifics. And, and so I'm, I'm a little afraid to like give you the, the wrong answer here, but Ultimately, like you said, we represent about 44 and probably even more now percent of the population that, you know, that's that's almost, you know, a majority there. But we were receiving, uh, depending on, on I, I think, on what sort of pocket of funds, anywhere between two to seven percent of funding. Wow, that um, is ridiculous. That is I utterly mean, ridiculous. Just it was shocking. I mean, again, for us. Mm-hmm. Us artists, we kind of knew, but to actually see it in that report was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Why is that happening? 
and and the why is again super complicated. Uh, there is many, not as many nonprofits formed. Um, again, I think there's a little bit of distrust mm-hmm. uh, in that system and whether it really works for for us. Um, so maybe uh, that prevents people from pursuing nonprofit. Maybe they don't have the resources or understanding uh, of how to become a nonprofit to be able to get these funds. Um, and there were just not any other avenues as far as individual artists. You know, a lot of times these big organizations that give big money or that have the funds to sort of support the arts, they only want to fund uh, large nonprofit organizations that have existed from, mm-hmm. right? And so if you're coming up and you're, you're new, there's just very little. And so what do you, eventually what happens? They walk away, they have to, they have to pay the bills, right? They have to um, have, you know, income coming in in some way. And so that, you know, it, it, get, it gets tricky, it gets difficult. Um, you, I don't know if I'm rambling. Feel no, free. no, you're not. You're absolutely not. You're saying some very valuable uh, information that, that I think really supports what we're getting at here. Because my next question to you, even though you do answer it, was like d- the lack of support. There's huge lack of support. At least I've seen it. You know, you're con- you're confirming it. Um, do you feel that you know us being you know a Hispanic community that we're just being skipped over, left out? Uh, especially in these, you know, like funding situations and and, and physical locations and even educational. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. We, we, uh, we are, um, we are, we are sort of being left out um, so much for, you know, there's, there's been several, I mean, I, I know that I've talked to some of the elders, some people that have been doing this for a while and how much they fought to have what we do have, which is mm-hmm. not very much. And that's the frustrating part is there are there have been people out there fighting, you know, and you, I mean, people, uh, Alice from Mecca has been around for a long time and fighting to keep uh, to do what she does as far as uh, arts education and and providing that that neighborhood and that community uh, an opportunity to not only sort of the traditional you know mariachi and mm. ballet folklorico and stuff like that so she's done what she can and then outside of that you know t- you know what used to be known as tbh they they've sort of struggled to get the support they need and to get the right board to really make that place function which is such an important place because that's all we got yeah and now they they had to go they went under as far as a nonprofit. uh mecca is now trying to keep that place afloat as part of what they're calling their east end campus but if you talk to all of them they're they you know they've worked their butts off and for very little sort of support and really um and, and so i don't know why i mean I, I don't know why we're being ignored because, you know, they can't, they can't c- continue to ignore us because again, we're 44% of the population and eventually Absolutely. Um, we, we're going to get fed up and we should, we should be loud about uh, having equal e- equality in funding for the arts. Um, and so we're going to keep working at it and see what we can do. Yeah. So out of curiosity, I mean, with your attempts to bring more of the, you know, Hispanic culture out there through the arts, do you feel or do you think um, you receive a lot of resistance? You know, you're a minority man bringing in a minority art form. Is there resistance to that? There's a little bit of resistance. There's a little bit of them. uh, And when I say them, I mean, people are not not of the Latino sort of culture that say they sort of view us, view us as a either uh, a niche or a niche, yeah. art, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of sort of, so not almost not taking us seriously, mm-hmm. right? In, in a way or belittling what we do. Um, and, and so, you know, I've gotten a little bit about that with theatrics and, and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the fact that 
really no one has want, has given us really any press coverage or coming to review the shows and uh you know we send it out and the the most that we can hope for at this point is that they put us on you know things to go you know 30 things to go watch or whatever it is <laughs> things to go watch and uh -huh. we make that list mm. um then uh and so you know i'm not sure where that how we can sort of create that relationship with with the these are now the sort of art critics or you know the people that because as much as some people might complain about it they they do get people to seats you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so it's important to get your work reviewed um and 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 talked about the impact it has in order to really reach the entire community in in many ways and through the media channels um so that's difficult it's it's again i don't know uh, why it's so difficult, but it is. And and then I'm talking a lot about non-Latinos, but let me tell you that it's also difficult within the Latino community itself, right? Mm -hmm. um, specifically with theater, there's just, I don't know, I don't know if it's just not in the culture here in Houston, but it is challenging to get folks. It, one, theater tends to be expensive as well, right? It's mm -hmm. not the most accessible art form. And so we as, as theatrics have tried to sort of remove that barrier and make it very, uh, make our programming sort of pay what you will, starting at like 10 bucks or so mm -hmm. um, to make that accessible. Because we, we don't, we want to get people to experience theater. And, and we know that you know, if you have a family of four or five, you're if you're talking twenty dollar tickets, that gets very expensive very fast. Yeah. Right. And so, so part of that is figuring out what can we do to make it accessible and to present work that people feel sort of proud to be or feel represented, and 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 makes them feel sort of proud of their background and their culture. And so we strive to sort of do all that um, to, to in order to not get that pushback from our own community. Like, hey, we can't afford to go see that. Or, you know, it's it's better, cheaper to go see a movie or whatever, you know, the, the case may be. Although I don't know mm -hmm. about that. In, yeah. Nowadays, <laughs> nowadays oh my God. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty expensive in itself. <laughs> um, so we get a little bit of pushback uh, within the community yeah, and, and, and stuff like that as well. But yeah, so. Do you think because, uh, I mean, growing up, I mean, we both didn't see the same things. But I also think one of the things that I kind of discovered is that you know, sadly, we, we are a uh, what people would call, and I, I don't like the term, but they say it, you know, an, an industrial people. And so the emphasis on arts and culture isn't there like it should be, yeah. in, in part of my opinion, because, you know, growing up, like, you know, my, my grandfather worked construction. There is no way he thought the arts were important. <laughs> you know, right. he, yeah. he thought you know the concept of you got to get out there, you got to work. Yeah, is more important. You know, do you still find that as being pretty predominant nowadays? You know, um, I think so. In I think so in in this country, mm -hmm. because if you talk about, let's say, you know, people that are immigrants are new to the country or you know their their home country mm -hmm. you know in latin america whether it's you know mexico or a central american country or south american country arts are, are big you know arts plays a big part in people's yeah. lives over there just as much How, you know the idea of the sort of having to hustle here in the u.s to make it the american dream trying to achieve i you know i think there's some something to that of mm -hmm. you know these work days that we have and as far as you know really oh, yeah. yeah and so that at at the end of the day that there's a little bit also of it's a it's a weird I, 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 I'm trying to use the example of like, for instance, my parents, right, who, mm -hmm. who are immigrants from Mexico. And, you know, um, but, you know, the, for a while, my mom 
just never really connected here, right? Mm -hmm. She, she, you know, she felt like home was in Mexico and and things like that. And so I wonder how much of 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 the disconnect of their culture and their art sort of creates a barrier between, you know, of of a barrier of celebrating what they knew as home here in in the U.S. right or here in Houston. I don't know. I, I I'm kind of rambling a little bit here, but but no, it makes uh, sense. I mean, that connection makes absolute sense. You yeah. know, um, home compared to here, the emphasis is different. Where like you know, tra- doing a lot of traveling in a lot of places, you know, you have art that holds up the the you know the structures half the time you know yeah. you you really do but in in the u.s you don't you don't really have that you you really yeah. don't it's very well even our you know other places their government sort of fund the arts as mm-hmm. far as you know like in europe right where where you have mm-hmm. theaters that are funded by the government mm-hmm. and so they're able to put on these large shows they're able to have these long rehearsal process and devise these works where you know i just read an article not too long ago that even you know the the numbers have gone down but even pre pandemic most of the shows being produced in the states are at most 4 to 5 people uh, actors needed, you know, cast members, mm-hmm. because again, it gets expensive, right? It mm-hmm. gets expensive really fast, and and especially during the pandemic, trying to raise funds for for the arts became became difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, it, we we just don't have that culture. The, our our own country doesn't support support the arts the way other countries do. Absolutely. No, I, I could totally agree with that. Yeah. So question. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your theater and how your theater is changing. Some yeah. Of so, I, you know, the, the growth of, uh, or the, the reason we sort of founded that theater goes back to the story I told you um, earlier after leaving UH downtown, right? Mm. Um, after I got my MFA, my partner, I, and she's really my theater partner and my life partner, Marissa, <laughs> you know, we were in Seattle while she finished her BFA at Cornish College of the Arts. Um, and so we were we were in Seattle for about four and a half years and then we moved back to Houston. And when we moved back, I was like, hey, I've always had this goal or this sort of drive to build something here, right? And because you know, it's, like I said, it's lacking and it's just, it's hurtful to know that we don't have a voice on 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 the stages here in Houston um I was like I want to do this you know do you want to be a part of this you totally don't have to I you know she's pursuing her acting career uh but she she jumped on she's like yes I want to be a part of it I know how much it means to you and I think it it'd be great and so between uh her and I and Jorge Diaz who I was my partner in crime and theater way back you know when um and so uh, we decided to sort of start theatrics. Um, and at this point, you know, there's uh, some of the controversy around what we did, you know, because the, the term Latinx can be, um, uh, can be very controversial within our community. Um, but at that time we were sort of exploring what that term meant to us. And, and as far as um, it being, uh, inclusive and in trying to represent uh, the diversity that is Latinidad, right? And we're sort of, you know, again, the term was new to us and we were trying to figure out um, what our theater was going to represent. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that we wanted our theater, all of us, Marissa, myself and Jorge, were all, you know, either first, second, third generation uh, Mexican-Americans. Mm-hmm. Um each of us having a different upbringing, Jorge growing up near the border, Marissa growing up in sort of West Texas, and I growing up here in Houston uh, with a very diverse population. And that's what we talked about. Like we want our theater to represent all that diversity within our, uh, you know, the Latino culture. And, um, and so, you know, the word theatrics came from the Spanish word teatro, meaning theater, and we, at that moment then changed the O to an X. And what that X sort of represents and sort of what even the word Latinx represents for us 
is is how does you know we all have our own cultures depending on where we're coming from you know south america central america north america uh mexico it's all you know we all have our, our traditions and our cultures but how does that change when we come to the united states Mm-hmm. Well, how does that change when you're several generations growing up in the U.S.? How much of those traditions? And so that act sort of represents that. It is, so we are celebrating Mexico. We are celebrating, you know, El Salvador, Colombia, but we're celebrating, we're telling specific stories of how that, those traditions and that culture changes once you're in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, because there are other groups in Houston that are doing there. And, and I will say that most of the groups, theater groups in Houston are made up of sort of uh, their transplants or immigrants from other uh, Latin American countries. And they are mostly concentrated on doing plays in Spanish. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's several smaller groups that are doing that. But uh, the us, the 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 the. The, the Latin Americans, the Mexican Americans, the, you know, Puerto, you know, the Puerto Ricans that, that grow up in the States, our stories are a little bit different, right? And, uh, and more grounded within the sort of American culture. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot there. There's a lot to unravel there. And so that's, those are the stories we sort of connected with because of our upbringing and what we were interested in telling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how theatrics sort of came to be. Um, and that's what that X sort of represents for us, right? Um, and, and and so our goal was to look at the diversity of Latinidad and whose story is not being told, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so like our, our, our last production and really was our first sort of quote unquote full production was about, um, it was a, a family made up of Jewish, Americans and Cuban American families coming together and their cultures sort of coming together during the holidays and finding out that their son dropped out of college to join the military after 9-11 happened and all that that comes with with the history of Cuba and the revolution and things like that. So again, there is a small pocket of Latino Jewish community members here in Houston like you know we have a large Jewish population and within that are Latino Jewish uh, people and so their stories that aren't being told and so we picked that play because we felt we wanted to sort of shine a light of that part of the population in Houston um, and, and again we continue uh, you know uh, there's a lot of stories about Afro-Latinos that are not been told. And many times when you hear the word Latino or you hear Hispanic or you hear Latinx, a lot of people don't even think about the Afro-Latinos, the, the Black mm-hmm. community within the Latino population. And mm-hmm. we want to change that, that. That's part of the inclusivity. Like when we say Latinos, we mean everybody, right? And, and Afro-Latinos, LGBTQ community, the, the Jewish community, so not just Catholic or, you know, things like that. So it's a broad spectrum there. It's a lot to take on, but we really, we really enjoy having those conversations and pushing back on those stereotypes and telling, like, like you said, we're not just gangbangers. We're not just, you know, <laughs> drug dealers. We are, compl- you know, we are a complicated American, you know, Latin American family that comes with all of that. A culture oh, yeah. from our homeland, the culture from the the our, the country we were either born in or raised in. And those are the stories we want to tell. And that's, that's what theatrics represents. That is absolutely amazing. Now with that, and then the, the amazing diversity that you have within your own theater, would you say that you're attracting at least quite a bit of interest in it? Yeah, so that's, that's the beautiful part is that we are, you know, our, 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 every time we do a performance, we try to do some survey. It's a short survey, not to like sort of overwhelm our audience, but just because we want to know who's coming. Mm-hmm. And so what we notice is a lot of the surnames tend to be of Latino descent, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so we, they are absolutely coming. They are the majority of our audience. Now we have audience. The great thing is because of the diversity of Houston, 
is not the is there's not just the Latino population coming, but they are representing mm-hmm. the majority of our audience, which is just wonderful. And you know what? I I really you know. I I I wanna I wanna give Jorge Diaz sort of the credit here because the very first thing Theatrics did was put on a festival that we call La Vida Cortos Life is Shorts. And it goes back to, you know, Latinos represent the, a large part of the moviegoers. Like we are one of the biggest groups of moviegoers in the United States. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, how much do they, how much is theater within the culture, right? And, and we knew that it, that it wasn't there. It's not there. We need to grow it. We need to uh, bring people in and get them hooked because when you get do get hooked to theater you get hooked right oh, yeah. so so we already know that that our that our our community loves movies and so Jorge and I sort of sat down thinking like what is the first thing theatrics can do and we we talked about having a festival because um, my my point was I want to get as many people involved I want to celebrate all the Latino theater artists in Houston in some way bring them together um, and so with that idea and the idea that Jorge was like, well, hey, people love movies, right? Especially our community. The, the, the way that, that we can get the most people involved was the short format, meaning short plays mm-hmm. and short films. And we put them together because no one, we looked it up and no other festival combined live short plays with live, short, uh, with short films, all sort of interacting in, in a festival. And so we got as many people involved. I'm talking about, you know, anywhere between uh, 30 to 50 Latino artists and then filmmakers. And, and we created that festival that really, again, in, embodies what theatrics is about. It's celebrating everyone and having a diverse group of stories in the films and in the plays and everyone feeling that they, they felt represented. There was one time that uh, audience member, I think he was a uh, uh, European, um, and one of the shorts had a. Uh, it was a specific. I think it was maybe a. Um, oh my god! I want to say maybe it was a Czech character, like, from, mm-hmm. uh, and and he was like, you know, I I felt represented in the festival because of that <laughs> one character in the short film, right? Oh, and so he was just said. He just felt like it was such a nice surprise to come to this Latino festival and finding himself being represented. So, um, yeah, it's it's a great festival um, in that sense and, and really how we started. So, you know, it, it's wonderful, the impact and how inclusive you, you really do try to make everyone feel. So now I have to, to ask you, who have been like, you know, some of your Hispanic influences, like maybe some uh, Hispanic playwriters or uh, artists that have really, really inspired you? Oh, man. You know, um, I, would I would ask say the that, hard question. right? Yeah, no, what <laughs> I would say, you know, I, I admire. So I'm a big com- proponent of theater as a uh what, what would be the word as a um oh goodness sorry uh i, I can't think of the word like creating social change um mm-hmm. social a vehicle, justice a vehicle okay. a vehicle <laughs> i think theater is uh, is my favorite kind of theater is a theater that sort of uh is a vehicle for social change meaning we're bringing up issues that the community is either uh dealing with at the moment or uh, something that we need to talk about in order for us as uh, as a uh, as a group to sort of move past whether it's you know um, it, many issues right and and so because of that I think I'm a big fan of what you know uh, what Luis Valdez did and 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 El Teatro Campesino and uh, you know, Teatro Esperanza back then, the sort of the Chicano groups, right? The right. Ch- Chicano was a combination of, Lat- you know, uh, Latinidad or our culture, or specifically Mexican-American, um, and, and politics, 
right? That, that's to me, when someone says I'm a Chicano, is to me is a political activist, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, and, and, and so I think they, that studying them and looking at the place they did during the, during the, the farmer's strike and, and that work and, and how they use theater to communicate to the farmers of how they need to unionize to push back and fight to get the rights they want. That to me is probably one of the more uh, inspirational uh, things, but I am watching sort of playwrights now that are just, you know, um, uh, that are doing some, some great things, um, you know, and, and so, but it, but if you had to make me choose one, I, I, I was really inspired by, by the past, by the people bef- that came before Luis. us. Yeah. And he, you know, he really was uh, an absolutely brilliant man. And I love the fact in doing some, some research. And also this goes back to a project that I had done uh, some months ago to kind of inspire me to keep continuing to, to look into these things. You know, I was looking into Latinos in Texas and I was digging up some of their, you know, their history and the way that it's written. And I was like, wow, it's just badly written. You know, it's, it's, it's the heart, A, there's hardly anything there and B, what's there is not really good because it's someone else writing it. And it was kind of heartbreaking. But when I came across him and like how he used theater, not just to, to teach about unionization, but what I loved is that they put on plays to teach people how to vote. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that that's thinking outside the box right there. And he's also regarded as the, you know, the, the father of, you know, yeah. basically uh, Latino cinema uh, yeah. because, you know, he, he really did start the, you know, the theater and, right. and because he did quite yeah. a few movies too at the yeah. time as well. Yeah. So he, he really was just an, an amazing man. I can see how he can be so impactful. Last All right. question. All right. What are your hopes for the Houston Hispanic theater scene going forward? My hope is that the community community embraces what what we're about mm-hmm. and that the community fights for their voice and fights for that funding to support that voice, right? And and so my hopes is that theatrics is not the only one, right? I I I I don't want us to be the only one. I, I want, there should, with 44% of the population, there should be something going on every weekend, mm-hmm. right? And there should be, we should have a venue at the very least to be able to produce our work um, and invite others to do it as well. Um, and so that that's my goal. I mean, one of our goal is to inspire the next generation of theater goers. So we're still working on the sort of educational and outreach to for young people to to create the next, you know, actors and directors and producers of theater. Um, and, and so that's what we're striving for. That's what I would love to see, and and for us to be represented. What you know correctly <laughs> i don't i don't even know what the word is like uh, but that's that's what i'm striving for uh richard and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of pressure at times but and difficult uh and and disappointing when you don't get the support uh of the work you put in but at the old ultimately what keeps me going what keeps people that are with me on this ride with theatrics is we see that goal that um, that eventually it will grow uh, and, and we will have that voice. I'm going to quote Dr. Little here as, as we end this. It is a work of love, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> Ladies yes, and gentlemen, it is. thank you so yeah. much. That was yeah. my interview with Benito Vasquez, who I deeply appreciate granting me this interview because I know he's a very busy man. Yeah. He was also taking on two other shows right now at the University of Houston and at Stages Theater. Thank you so much for giving us your time, Benny. Thanks, Richard. Thank you. 
I want to once again thank my very special guest, Mr. Benito Vasquez, for his interview and his insight on this rather serious matter here in Houston, Texas. If you're interested in the things that Tiratrix is doing, please follow them at their website, which is www.theatrix.org. Theatrix is spelled T-E-A-T-R-X dot org. You can also email them at connect at theatrics.org and if you want you can follow them on their social medias including facebook at theatric you can also keep up with the latest that me and carlo are up to on our website thevcrshow.com or you can also email us and ask us what we're up to and that email address is thevcrshow at gmail.com you can also enjoy us on our social medias which is instagram and twitter at the vcr show and until next time i'm richard vada of the vcr show please enjoy this episode and share with your friends and remember carlo will be back next week i do assure you and until next time be safe you've been listening to vcr Creative content by Richard Christopher Vada and Carlo Manuel Magana. The logo created by Richard Christopher Vada with assistance from Annie Ramirez. The theme song is The Messenger by Silent Partner and can be found on YouTube Music Library. You can follow us on our social media platforms such as Twitter and Instagram at The VCR Show. You can also email us your thoughts, comments, and concerns to thevcrshow at gmail.com.